So how do you spot an American tourist in Ireland? It's very easy. Uh, they will probably have a rucksack, but they will most definitely have a bottle of water. If you ever noticed, Americans absolutely always have a bottle of water. And it's just, I find it very, very interesting that after, and even actually among Irish young people now, you see this, this uh, habit increasing with people's little water bottle things, camel back, what are they called? I don't know. And even ads now for these water things with scented water. And, uh, it's, all, it's, all, it's all the go. It's probably all the go because people are all drinking these protein drinks. It's a protein, you have protein, and you have to have lots of water. Uh, so anyway, but people are just getting mad into water. And I just find it really interesting because like, when I was a child, if someone offered you water, you might as well offer them a slap in the face. Like, it's like you're only worth water. You know, like, you're not even worth tea. Go on, here's some water for you. Like, it's, it's like the lowest of the low. It's like... It's like bargain basement drink you know I'll offer you something that's entirely and completely free because that's all you're worth you know offering someone a drink of water was quite I would say bordering on offensive you remember I mean if, maybe, maybe just me but like in our if I think if you're over the age of 30-ish and you go visit a friend and they say hey do you want a drink of water <laughs> that was that's not a compliment it wasn't a compliment like I mean at least a cup of tea was something right um, but now we've kind of come full circle where as soon as we got a bit more affluent, like we steered away from, from water and then we wanted like soft drinks. We wanted, there were even soda streams when I was a kid that you could make your own soft drinks. And now after that generation has passed, we rediscover, holy cow, actually, water is good for you. Who knew? <laughs> water is actually good for you. Or you look at uh, many restaurants. Now, Pete, uh, I'm thinking of also like when I worked in Italy and the best thing, when I was down in Naples, the best thing people would offer you was local water. But it always had to be room temperature as well. They had this fear that if you drank cold water, it would somehow stop your heart. So they give you room temperature water. And this for them, like, this, this was like, it's aqua pregiata, which means it's like, it's, it's like prized water. It's, wow, thanks. <laughs> but also there, um, pizzas always, if, if you, a proper pizza always had to be baked in a, a stone oven with particular kind of particular kind of timber as well, you know? So yes, we have lots of microwaves. Yes, we have electric ovens. But it seems even like when it comes to baking pizzas, we've kind of gone full circle again. You know, back in the day, pizza was the food of the poor. And Italian food in general was designed around shortage. Do you ever notice in a carbonara, for example, you can make two rashers, two rashers feed six people, eight people, you get two rashers, you cut them up, put them into a carbonara, and now within two little, little, like, thinnest slices of meat, you now feed six people, or eight people. And actually, if you add ten rashers to carbonara, it's rotten. It's not right. It doesn't work. It's like, it's too much. But the Italian food was designed, in, a lot of the Italian food that's so famous now, was designed around a time when, when they were quite poor. Same with a pizza. You get thin slices of meat, if any, a margarita has no meat at all, and... As I say, then we became affluent, and then we kind of come back to these things. Actually, maybe, maybe the simple things are actually right. Maybe the simple things actually work. Maybe what we always had was actually good enough. And I find like when we, when we think about our faith, I think we can have a similar kind of a, a problem and hopefully a similar kind of a realization that we look at our faith and say, well, you know, times have moved on. 
were a little more modern and educated. Now, it is the 21st century, after all. I have a college education. don't know if you knew that. Uh, but uh, I'm far more intellectual and uh, far more intelligent, actually, than uh, the generation that went before me. So, yes, they believed in their God. And it, was, you know, it, was, it helped them, the poor things. Bless them. Bless their, bless their hearts. Like, but uh, it, it helped them to have the old bit of faith. God helped them. Like. But sure, we've moved on. You know, we've moved on. We know better. And I would hope <laughs> that the crosses of life teach us that maybe the old ways were actually right. Maybe living a life with the Lord, with the faith, actually is a healthier, happier, and more wholesome way of living. The, the Jews really struggled with this. They really str- in, in Jesus' time, even in our, in our first reading uh, from the book of Judges, they, 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 they really struggled. God would show them mercy, show them love. He'd guide them out of, out of slavery in Egypt. He'd guide them through the desert. He'd provide daily for them the manna. He'd, he'd split the seas and have meat fall from the sky in the form of quail. He'd water from the rock. Uh, I mean, he provided everything for them. And yet they just simply would not believe that he was enough or that he would provide for them. That generation did not get into the Holy Land. But then the next generation did, because they were slightly better, but only slightly. Once they get into, across the, the Jordan and in, in, into the, what's now the Holy Land, uh, there were other peoples already living there, Canaanites and that, and little by little, they started to adopt the Canaanite practices, right? Now, two gods are, or two deity are mentioned here. Uh, the Baals and, so Baal and Astarte or Astarte. Okay, Baal was even then kind of considered a bad god. He was a demon, and he was known to be a demon. But the way you pacify him was often to make human sacrifice to him. That's what we have in the psalm. It says, They worshipped the idols of the nations, and these became a snare to entrap them. They even offered their own sons and daughters in sacrifice to demons. Human sacrifice offered to Baal to pacify him. So he wasn't even considered a good god. But you have to pacify him or he might inflict evil on us, he might harm us, he might hurt us in some way. And Astart was the, uh, the goddess of fertility. And again, there were all sorts of deplorable sexual rites involved in that in, in her various uh, temples, uh, which were far from what God had uh, wanted for his people. So these are the chosen people. They were shown how to walk with God. Something else is presented to them. They go, yeah, well, let's give this a shot. Let's see how this goes. Maybe we'll try both. Try a bit of God and then a bit of these other things, these other deity, and sure, look, cover all your bases. We'll see then which one actually provides for us in time of need. And they're all saying, hang on, hang on. Can you just come back to the worship of the one true God? Because all these other ones are just made up. Or they're outright demons. And sometimes we have, it's a stupid tendency that we have at times that we have to learn the hard way. Some of us have to learn the hard way. We try everything else and then we discover that everything else doesn't work and we're left feeling empty and alone and full of shame that then we start to ask ourselves, Did any of this 
deliver what it promised? Did any of this compromise, any of this sin, any of this idolatry deliver what it promised? And the answer will invariably be no, because it can't. Nothing can, can fill the place of God. Nothing. Nothing. So nothing, no matter how much of it. In fact, at times, the more of these things we try, the, the more distasteful it is. And this is the modern mentality. If one pint is good, ten pints must be fantastic. You know, if, if earning 50 grand a year is, is good, then it must be absolutely amazing to earn half a million. If having one car is good, it must be absolutely fantastic to have ten. And we always think that much is, more is better. Especially with wives. Imagine. God bless the Muslims. Imagine trying to keep everyone happy if you had multiple wives. My goodness. Hard enough to keep one family together. I don't know how. But just this idea that, that more is better. But then we discover that, that it just, it, no, it doesn't satisfy. So maybe, maybe what God was saying all along Maybe that's, I don't call it simple faith as if it's stupid, because it's not intellectually stupid. It's an incredibly profound and deep faith. But listen to how even God speaks about his, the faith. Like he refines it down to a couple of commandments. And he says, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said, I've kept all these. He said, good, one more thing. There's one thing you lack. Go. I'm going to take your safety net from you. I'm going to take your security from you. Sell everything you own and come follow me. I'm asking you to believe that I am enough. I'm asking you to believe that I will provide. But I'm asking you to put your money where your mouth is. Take that safety net away. And then come follow me. As opposed to saying, I'll come follow you, and sure, if things don't work out, I can always go back to my millions. No, I'll give away the millions, come follow me. And the man goes away, sad, because he was a man of great wealth. We don't really know what happened afterwards, and I'm sure the, the Chosen will do a great job of fleshing out how that could have been before and <coughs> afterwards. But there are a few interesting points on that. Jesus doesn't follow him. Jesus doesn't call after him. Now maybe, who knows, maybe he converted later on. Chances are he, maybe, maybe he did. He seems like a good and honest man. But Jesus doesn't run after him. Nor does he drop the bar and say, okay, look, sell half of what you own. It's all right. Sell a third. Come follow me. Just give something away at least and then come follow. No. He lets him go. Because he knows what that young man needed. Don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on that safety net of your own accumulated wealth. Rely on me. Lean on me. Trust me. And this this, this, this age-old teaching which the Lord has been telling us since Genesis. So maybe it's actually right. Maybe that would actually work. Maybe all these other alternatives and options and things that we try and, and wealth and beauty and cosmetics and uh, pleasure, maybe all these things, maybe it's time to just say enough. Enough. Lord, you're enough.
You are enough. So, we ask the Lord today to deepen our trust and faith in Him. Amen.